Sunshine Radio 191 FM podcast. In Otipoti, a local government stirs. Oh yeah! Every three years, the magnates of municipal management compete for the top seat. It takes some pain to wear the chains. Is it their fate to sit for an official portrait? This is 2019 Dunedin Mania. Oh yes, who's going to sit for the official portrait this coming term? All right, it is time for Meryl Mania here on Radio 191 FM, the Otago Museum at Breakfast Show. This morning I'm joined by Christine Gary and Malcolm Monke- uh, Mon- Creef Spittle. Sorry, Malcolm. Malcolm okay. Moncrief Spittle. Okay. Morena to you both. Morena. Good morning. Uh, all right, let us begin with the opening statements, a place to start. Uh, uh, Christine, can we have an opening statement from you? Thanks, Jamie. And I've got 12 years in local government, three as community board chair, and the past term serving as an effective independent Dunedin City Councillor. I've been deputy chair economic development with a focus on tourism and international education. So I've drawn on my wide professional background, which is in education, tourism, business, the arts and community advocacy. Um, I believe these are exciting times as Dunedin experiences a renaissance. Our community is stronger and the positive vision for our city is like never before. Uh, There's a significant commitment to invest in Dunedin, although there are certainly challenges ahead. Climate change, of course, the most urgent and overarching. Infrastructure renewal, housing quality and availability, transport issues and managing the city's growing pains are certainly up there as issues. I offer strong, capable, progressive leadership and a collaborative approach. I'll represent the city nationally and internationally, upholding the mana of the Office of Mayor, a leader you can be proud of. I'll serve with integrity, clear thinking, genuine care, courage and determination, taking the community with us. I'm committed to serving the people of Dunedin as your next Mayor at this pivotal time in our city's history. And I'm asking for your number one vote. Christine Gary for Mayor and Council. All right, thank you, Christine. Uh, Malcolm, to you. Uh, kia ora, Jamie. Uh, I'm running for Councillor and Mayor. Uh, it's two main parts to my platform. One is I think we should be keeping rate increases and fee increases and debt down. I think the present council has shown an appetite for increased spending on non-essential nice-to-haves such as $60 million on George Street upgrade, $20 million on Tertiary Precinct upgrade and $20 million on a fancy bridge with solar panels and moving parts. Uh, I think uh, as well as keeping rate increases closer to inflation, which is where they should be to, be, to make the city not progressively less and less affordable for its least well-off. Uh, residents uh, that the fee increases should be kept low too for example we've seen Albany Street the parking th- uh, meter fees have gone up from two to three dollars an hour so if a student comes in to park for two one-hour lectures and a couple of hours in the library that's now uh, twelve dollars a day uh, part of my platform is pushing back against the level of climate change alarmism we're seeing and we've become a kind of Orwellian 1984 world where 2 plus 2 equals 5 and the media pushing one side of the narrative and not giving uh, any uh, so much space to the other side. There's hundreds of sceptical scientists. Uh, Richard <coughs> Linson, Emeritus Professor of Atmospheric Sciences at MIT, has put together a petition of 300 sceptical scientists and we're just not getting this uh, other side of the story coming through from our, our uh, media. 
Okay, thank you for that, Malcolm. Um, right, we're going to begin with the first question, uh, and I'll begin with you again. Uh, well, sorry, with you, Malcolm, for this one. Uh, transport has been a talking point for Dunedin Knights of, of late, um, with the upgrades to the cycle network, uh, changes uh, to the bus routes, and the new bus hub, uh, removal of car parks. Uh, more changes are in the pipeline. Are you happy with the current state of transport in the city, and what, <coughs> if any, changes would you try to implement if you were given the big job? Uh, I don't support making George Street one way, uh, particularly when we have the hospital build coming up. I think that that's going to make the getting from one side of the city to another uh, problematic, and I can't believe they're, they're doing that at the same time as the hospital rebuild. Um, I think George Street's fine the way it is. There's, there's wide footpaths, and and it's good for uh, bikes, cars, and pedestrians, and I think they've got the balance about right as it is. Uh, the, the cycleways, uh, people have talked a lot about the cost of them, but uh, they're pretty much all, all, all in place, so it, it costs even more to, to take them out. Um, I ride my bike each day, it's a great way to get around without having to find a park, but I do realise that for a lot of people they might live further up on the hills, or they might have children or heavy loads to transport, <coughs> or they, they might be elderly, or the weather might not be so good. Like, uh, so. We do need more parking as well, and I, th I think there's a kind of uh, plan to reduce parking spaces because the carbon dioxide emitting cars seen as a something that needs to be um, uh, we need to shift away from. So I, I don't agree with that, but I think as a growing city, we we, we do need uh, provision for e-scooters. I don't think they should be on the footpaths, but we do need provision for cycles. Like every cyclist frees up a parking space for a car too, so I'd like to see a balance. With transport through cars and uh, and also the buses should be cleaner instead of these big dirty buses with often two or three people in which is actually one of the least efficient forms of transport. Alright, thank you for that Malcolm. Um, Christine, I'll put that question so to you. So there's a much bigger picture here and you've got to look at all the parts of the jigsaw. Uh, the bigger picture is we need an integrated transport scheme uh, system and the key piece that's missing is an affordable, efficient bus transport system and low carbon emissions as well. Uh, that's the piece that's missing. We don't have control over that. Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful with a new um, Lock Regional Council of elected members uh, that that's something we will be able to change. Um, part of that bigger picture too is completing the cycleways. Uh, I'm heartened by the NZTA's um, e-bike scheme to large employers for commuters. We've got to get people out of the cars that can and provide for those that can't. So that frees up parking for those who can't get out of the car due to limited mobility uh, and need to be able to park a little closer. The Council's um, proposal to trial a bus loop in the inner city is going to be pivotal for getting people around the city. Um, and the reorganisation of parking is part of that jigsaw. Um, we've rearranged where the parks are and we've upped the charges because that is what will change behaviour. But we've got to have all those pieces of the jigsaw in place and the bit that's missing, of course, is that bus transport. In terms of George Street, um, why on earth wouldn't we do the work when we're digging up the road anyway? This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to... Um, to deal with that and make it a more family friendly city and and I'm a person who looks makes decisions based on evidence the evidence tells us that if we slow the street and do some pedestrianisation that uh, the increase in footfall past retail retailers will improve um, their retail sales that's what the evidence shows us that's what I go by um, and 
that's why we're doing it. And we've consulted widely with the community. We're going to have a great um, main street as a result. Okay. Um, right, well, we'll start with the next question with you, Christine. Um, what do you see as the council's biggest failure of the last term, and how do you plan to fix it? The biggest failure? Yeah. Um, one of the long-held views that I've had is that we are really good at communicating the milestones to our community, but the bits in between, the updates in between, uh, we're not so focused on, and so we've got a community that has some of the information, but not the why. Mm. So let me give you an example. I'm really proud of the fact that I was involved in lobbying for and getting over the line, the Peninsula Connection, which is a safety improvements project down on the peninsula. It's made for a much more connected community, a safer road for all users, cyclists, pedestrians, and car users. Um, it is the one job, one um, project that the contractors say in the whole of New Zealand they've never experienced the welcome that they've experienced. Although people are going through inconvenience, they welcome the contractors being there. And the reason for that is that the community were part of lobbying for the project. The community were part of getting it across the line. They know what's at the end of it, the big picture, and so they're prepared to put up with the inconvenience. So I think we're not good at keeping people informed between the milestones. Um, I don't see us as having a whole lot of failures. Uh, it, things are slow, but that's local government and that's a huge frustration. But I'm really proud of what Council's achieved. We've got a direction of focus, it's a very positive direction, and uh, Dunedin's now a medium growth city. And we're also on board with understanding the urgency of climate change and climate action. Okay. Um, Malcolm? I think the biggest failure of the present City Council was declaring a climate emergency and moving forward the date of being net carbon <coughs> zero to 2030. Uh, this wasn't at all a unanimous decision. There were five votes against it from uh, Van Der Vis, Hall, Lord, Wiley and Steadman. And I think we should be looking to reach a point where we have a council where a majority do not support that decision. Uh, it's going to be very expensive and it's going to be pointless and it's based on alarmist propaganda and not... Uh, not the good science. The, the science has also become politicised, so uh, um, we, we, uh, even in academia uh, we, we can't just take the words of scientists for granted. The peer review process has become corrupted. Um, as an analogy, uh, if you look at the theory of um, continental drift uh, this was only accepted late in the 20th century. So if, if, you, if you'd had an intergovernmental panel on continental drift in 1910, they would have said, oh, the science is settled. Uh, the peer review papers would all say continental drift's ridiculous, doesn't occur. So we need to understand more what science is and how scientists are fallible and subject to biases and study philosophers of science like Karl Popper, Thomas Kuhn and Ray Lakatos, Paul Feyerup and... All right, thank you for that. Um, right, Christy, um, Christine, sorry. Um, housing is a big focus for you. Uh, we have a lot of stock that is charming but dilapidated. Um, while some of uh, the lowest socioeconomic areas of this city have some of the highest yielding um, rents in the country, I think we have five out of the top ten highest yielding uh, areas in, in the nation. Um, at a local and national level, um, Things are starting to happen, cosy homes, etc. Uh, but there's still a lot of red tape, and when it comes to new builds, uh, you can kind of drown in the process. 
What will you do to streamline the process of upgrading current stock and making building for investment easier? So we are already doing something and I just want to go back to what Malcolm was talking about and say that um, I'm way past engaging with climate change deniers. Uh, the science is there, we need to get on with it. And on, d on a day when Greta Thornberg spoke in the UN, uh, it's extraordinary that we're still discussing um, the possibility of uh, climate change uh, not happening. So I just want to put that on the table and say that housing and the quality of housing is part of that because that's going to be even more important uh, as we go through the effects of climate change. So one of the things that this council has done, and it's been a long-held view of mine around this, the, the difficulties of the process when you are building or you are subdividing, and we need more land uh, freed up for um, housing, because we need more housing, not just better quality, um, is a navigated position, which, which have, we've just advertised. So this is a person that will um, walk people through, uh, be it the mom and pop uh, developers or the big developers, walk them through the process, because it's really complicated. Mm -hmm. um, with housing uh, quality, one of the issues we have in the city is um, we have an imbalance with between landlords and tenants, particularly in the student area. And I just want to acknowledge the really good landlords out there, and we do have some, but I've heard some horror stories. And often for um, students, when they're in a, a student flat for a, a small period of a, maybe a year, they get to the point where they realise what the problem is, be it mould or whatever, and then it's almost time for them to leave. So the idea of a landlord licensing scheme, I'd like to see that investigated, and um, the warrant of fitness concept I think has merit as well and needs some further work done on it. Uh, because we have to do better. These stories are about uh, landlords not fixing very basic things and inadequate housing. And it isn't just students, it's our more vulnerable people in our community. And they're going to be even more vulnerable as climate change kicks in even more. Okay, okay. Um, Malcolm, um, to you, um, you claim there is no climate emergency. Um, what are your qualifications to make such a claim and what is your evidence to support your position? Uh, just to answer Gary's point that when she took. Uh, Christine's uh, uh, Christine Gary's point about Greta Thunberg. Uh, Greta Thunberg. I don't like to pick on her because she's only a child and she's being used as political tool. But she she went to the New York on a sailing yacht to save the emissions from air travel. And once she got there, two of the yacht members then flew back to the UK, and two replacement members flew over to New York to sail the yacht back again. Uh, Greta Thunberg says she, or her mother said that she can see carbon dioxide, which is a colourless, odourless gas. Uh, so I don't think uh, I don't I think this is an example of like the, the propaganda um, how Greta Thunberg's being used by the media and activists. But uh, my qualifications, uh, I don't claim to be a climate scientist, uh, and I get asked this question a lot. So I, I point to other people who are climate scientists or geologists. Like climate science involves physics, chemistry, like all the fields. Uh, there's the list of 300 names on Richard Lindzen's petition. Uh, there's uh, Bob Carter, who was in the geology department here before going to um, Australia. He came over and gave a sceptical talk here a few years ago. Sadly, he, he died of a heart attack uh, not long, a um, couple of years after that. There's uh, Emeritus um, <coughs> Professor of <coughs> Geology at the University of Melbourne, Ian Plummer, um, who's written about half a dozen books. Uh, there's uh, James Lovelock, who was once a climate 
alarmist, you, you know him from the Gaia hypothesis, but has since said, no, we got it wrong and this, this level of change, it's not being borne out by what's actually happening. Um, there's David Bellamy, he's a, a botanist, long-time activist and climate sceptic, but he sort of dropped out of TV coverage uh, since he came up with this unpopular view of being a climate sceptic. Um, there's, uh, there's, there's also the, the popular writers like who aren't necessarily scientists like uh, Mark Morano, but uh, I mean, if you look at his book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change, it's uh, referenced with like you can follow the footnotes, there's hundreds of footnotes to people who are scientists and papers that aren't <coughs> by scientists. Okay, um, so what evidence do you have to support your position? Well, it's, it's not about the past 150 years, and it's about the whole the whole history of the earth like we're currently in an interglacial period within a larger ice age and for much of the earth's history CO2's been at a thousand parts per million or two thousand parts per million and temperatures have been warmer than they are today so um, like if you have these molecules of CO2 like the incoming radiation from the sun it doesn't know when it hits a molecule whether it's generated by a human burning coal or whether it came from uh, uh, volcanic outgassing or outgassing from the oceans or volcanic eruption so this idea that if we hit uh, 500 parts per million, 600 parts per million it's going to be a disaster but it's not, I mean it's been over that in the past we've had the poles ice free in the past that like another propagandist Al Gore who's become the first climate millionaire he, he was going on about polar bears. Polar bear populations have been increasing and polar bears have survived in the past through the whole period when the poles have been completely ice-free. All right. Um, you got anything to say? Oh, I certainly have. So um, just as I was we'll driving here this morning, Jamie, I heard about the meteorological organisation's uh, report that climate change is accelerating much quicker than we thought. And, and so the urgency is even greater. Um, and uh, I... I think we do a great disservice to our young people to be arguing the toss and so I'm not going to do that, I just want to focus on the action that we need to get on with it. As, so as Mayor, it's going to be about hitting the ground running and getting on with those that work programme locally. Um, but I think we can be leaders as a small great city, one of the world's uh, great small cities, we can be leaders in some of these aspects. We've got smart people in this city, so it gives me great hope. Okay. And I take my hat off to the young people, I'll be in the climate strike on Friday. Alright, um, now Christine, you have been here for 25 years, uh, at the midnight for 25 years, it's long enough to remember um, you know, the beautiful wide white sand beaches at St Clair um, a place where people used to flock in their droves uh, on beautiful Dunedin hazy summer days um, that's all gone now for the most part Indeed. Um, you know I used to be a surf lifesaver at that club so I uh, was a junior so uh, it's a place where I'm, I'm very fond of and remember <coughs> quite well uh, from through the 80s and 90s but what are you going to do to bring the beach back can we bring the beach back okay so um, let me just take a step back and, and talk about a project I've been closely involved in that has relevance to this and that's Taroni the Taroni Beach Nourishment Project the locals there have seen extraordinary erosion on that beach over time and it's uh, about to be addressed so I've become very aware of the different options and um, it's it, I'm not a coastal erosion expert but I'm delighted that council has appointed one uh, we have a very smart uh, person in that role and what we need to do is make a plan for coastal erosion um, and particularly with Kettle Park in mind mm -hmm. I mean th that was extraordinary the day that we talked about a council at a council meeting you know do we have a plan when we're going to get it and staff were 
telling us where they're up to with that and that very day um, the erosion started so it can happen so very quickly. I'm very aware of the changes. I have seen it out at Tauroni as well and uh, again it's very hard to deny those impacts of climate change. We're in the middle of it right now um, so that's another part of our action that we need to get on with. At the start of the triennium is starting to put that plan for coastal erosion together and, and until we do that and it's evidence based with with options mm-hmm. uh, by the experts. I'll be listening to best practice and expertise. Um, Malcolm, have you got anything to say on that? Uh, yes, uh, Gary, Christine Gary mentioned the World Meteorological Organisation. It's interesting that recently the General Secretary <coughs> of that organisation, Petri Talas, has uh, been saying that the alarmist narrative has gone off the rails. Uh, he said... We've moved, moved on to the beach now. Oh, okay. no, oh, yes, sorry. Yes. oh, sorry, Coast, coastal erosion. Mm. We need to separate this problem from climate change. Uh, coastal erosion has been a, a problem uh, as long as um, for millions of, of years, and at St. Clair, St. Kilda Ocean beaches, it's been, you can go back and look at pictures, pictures from 1900s and throughout the 20th century, it's been a problem that people have been talking about and trying to fix. And I support the reinstallation of the groins, which appear to have been successful in raising the sea level in the past. Okay, um, and final question for you, Malcolm. Um, previous councils have uh, put really important infrastructure prog- projects on the back burner. Um, these are now coming to a head. We've got uh, issues with power poles, uh, water pipes, uh, the landfill, um, you know, and these are going to cost millions and millions, millions of dollars more than they would have uh, had plans been put in place in the first uh, instance. Um, what is your plan to address these issues while keeping rate rises to, uh, you know, a level that's not out of control? Uh, yes, uh, well, that, that is uh, the, this infrastructure, pipes and drainage and poles, this, this is essential and um, ideally rates rise be the same as inflation, but they are going to have to be a little bit more than that just because of catching up on the renewal of infrastructure and pipes and uh, drainage networks um, so I, I don't say freeze the rates, I don't say put them to 2%, I say abandon the, the glamour projects uh, and so I'd like to see rates uh, Wiley's just at 3% per year for 3 years, if we could get to that that'd be good but the, the, it's about the direction like we have to do that infrastructure spend and that is what's taking up most of the rate increases but I think it's sort of rubbing salt in the, the wound to do the most expensive options on the glamour projects at the same time. Alright uh, thank you for that. Uh, we're running out of time so just quickly um, closing statements from both of you we'll start with uh, you Malcolm uh, uh, just, just on it, as sea level was an example of, of where I think the, the of the general point of uh, people going off the rails and just talking about propaganda and of science like sea level rise has been 3 millimetres a year for over 150 years it's not accelerating we he- hear people say oh it's exponential, it's, it's on a logarithmic scale, it's geometric it, it's not accelerating and you, you can look at sites like the Battery New York for 150 years it's been 3 millimetres a year on average uh, we hear like James Flynn saying oh it's going to be 4 metres by 2100 we need to send ships out putting drops of ocean water into the sky to make a uh, like this this kind of uh, character should really be walking around on a sandwich board saying the end is nigh uh, alright and finally with you Christine 
Yeah, Jamie, uh, look, I'm about a council that's investing in its people and investing in the city. That's what the community wants, and that's why we have debt. We're expected to have debt. We deal in eye-watering amounts of money, mm-hmm. but uh, we are investing in the city, and we do have a cap on rates. We are being fiscally responsible. There are no glamour projects. It's around investment to unlock private investment, um, and I'm really proud of what we've managed to achieve within that. Um, I'll be a mayor that will take the city forward uh, using that positive direction, uh, evidence-based decisions, a positive momentum, uh, and I will serve the people of Dunedin. It's all about service. And also it's time for a woman. I had a young woman in council chambers looking around the walls, an eight-year-old who said, put up her hand and said, where are all the ladies? She could only see one woman. In 2019, I did not expect to be talking about this. I want to be the next mayor of Dunedin and the second female mayor of Dunedin. And so I'm asking for people's number one vote. Mm-hmm. Suki Turner was great. She was. She was really good. Uh, all right, thank you both for coming in this morning. It's been a pleasure and good luck to you both uh, for the rest of the race. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.